This Parsha podcast is dedicated in loving memory and Le'ilu Nishmas, Sarah Bas Benachem, Mrs. Shirley Nadel, the mother of our beloved Rabbi Yaakov Nadel. Uh, Mrs. Nagel passed away this week. May her soul be elevated in heaven and may the whole family be comforted amongst the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem and may they know no more pain. It's been a really busy week here at the Torch Center. First of all, on Sunday, I recorded, I have to say, and forgive my uh, display of pride, I recorded a magnificent podcast. It's titled The Infinity of Torah, but I didn't release it. It's stowed away. It's in a safe location, in a safe, undisclosed location, because I want to release it in conjunction with the Torch fundraiser, which is upcoming in the second week of March. So you have multiple things to look forward to, please God, in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Also, yesterday we recorded another amazing episode of the Torch Insider Podcast. We already sent out several hundred invites. Everyone who listens to it is absolutely blown away by it. Everyone loves it. It's the kinds of subjects that we don't speak about in the public forum it's some of the insider things. It's a much more free-flowing conversation that we have here each week in the Torch Center. So I hope to add some more invitations as well. Uh, please, God, soon. But it's been busy. And I've been scrambling to get all the work done. And I apologize. I have a, a bit of a bulging inbox. And if you have an email that you sent me and I have not yet responded to you, please forgive me. This is not intentional. I deeply apologize for not being a bit more timely in my responses and being a bit tardy in getting back to you. And as you probably know, it's been a couple of weeks since I wrote a newsletter. It's just been so busy. And we are very appreciative of that. We're very fortunate to be busy. And what can I say? We thank Hashem every day for being able to do this and having a rich and full life. And it's actually <laughs> a big, I have to tell you about this, it's a big uh, week in the Wolby family because my eldest son, Akiva, he turned 16. And in the great state of Texas, you could get your driver's permit at the age of 15. And then at the age of 16, you could get your driver's license. So on February 24th, last year, 2023, on that day, on the day of his birthday, he got his permit. And this year, he was so sad. He was so dejected. He was so upset, depressed, because February 24th fell out on Shabbos. So he couldn't get, he couldn't schedule his road test for Shabbos. And Sunday, they're closed. So we went on Monday, and like a total boss, he passed on the first try. So now we have three drivers. This is going to change everything. He's all eager to do errands. Do you need some shopping? Do you need something for Shabbos? you need something to pick up the kids? I'm happily willing and volunteering to buy Slurpees for the whole family. What he doesn't realize is that within a few months, it loses its luster, and we're going to still need those errands. But it's going to be a game changer. Because as you know, every summer we drive to Canada, and every year when we're somewhere in Kentucky, or Arkansas, I say, this was a terrible idea. This is an awful idea. This is the worst idea in the world. I can't believe I was suckered into do this, doing this again. 
But this year, we're going to have another driver. And I'm going to take a little nap, a cozy little nap in the front seat, and let her keep do the driving. I don't know if I'll, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to sleep with him driving. You need some reps on the highway. But that's going to change our life. And that was another great accomplishment of, of the week. I'll tell you, you know, last week, I, I've been a bit behind. I'm trying to catch up with all the work I need to do. And last week, you know, on Wednesday night, I have a class here at the Torch Center. Uh, one that does not get, it's, uh, it does not get recorded for a podcast. So, and I always have to look, I have to release the Parsha podcast on Wednesday night. You know, we have a street here to maintain. So last week, I, I, it was ready Wednesday, and I'm way behind, and Wednesday morning, I'm working furiously in the Parsha podcast, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll start recording. I start recording, and I'm like, this doesn't sound good. I, even though I'm the only one in the room, I can kind of sense how it's coming out. It's not great. I, I, I can't do it. Maybe it was, maybe I had a peanut butter sandwich, and maybe my mouth all clammy. I don't know what it was. It just wasn't flowing. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll come back to the Torch Center right before my class, you know, 7 p.m. I'll record it, and then I'll... I'll edit it after the class and perfect. So I get back here and I try recording and it just, it just wasn't going. It just wasn't flowing. I said, you know what? I'll record it after the class. So eight to nine at the Torch Center. I have my class. It's great. Nine o'clock. I uh, grab myself a nice uh, bottle of water. It's time to record. So I hit record and I thought it came out great. I don't know what y'all think, but I thought last week it was good energy, good vibe. And yes, I'm here by myself in the center, but I can kind of sense when it's really flowing nicely. So recorded the podcast, finished it like 10, you know, 10 or so, 10, 15. Sit down to edit it. No problem. I have all the techniques, these incredible techniques to edit it really fast. No problem. 10.30, 10.40, I'm done. And I'm finally going to go home. Finally. It's late at night. I'm working way too hard, but that's okay. This is a privilege. I'm not complaining. Even for a single second, I'm going to go home. Amazing. I grab my stuff, grab my bag. I walk outside. And the torch center, the the parking lot, it's deserted. No problem. Just my car there. No problem. I walk up to my car and I look inside and there's something on my seat. There's, there's, it looks like someone dropped a bag there. And I look a little closer and say, that's not something. That's someone. There's someone <laughs> lying down in my car in the driver's seat. There's a man sleeping in my car. He reclined the chair all, all the way back. I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and, uh, I wasn't even thinking like, if I, if I knew, what was going to happen, I probably would have acted different. So I knock on the window and then I open the door and I say, uh, excuse me, sir, this is my car. I need to get home. So the, it was a homeless guy. God bless him. He's sleeping in my car. And I guess he figured, you know, it's 10 o'clock. There's no one. The, the stores are all closed. Everything's quiet. It's a nice, safe, cozy place to go to sleep. The, the door's open. Uh, I'm not going to lock the doors. Sorry. I grew up months in New York. Maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast. Maybe I shouldn't say this in the I'll say it. I'll say it. My parents, okay, they leave. Not not only is the door unlocked, the keys are in the ignition. Because <laughs> you bring it inside, it's a safe. It's so safe. There's there's no crime. The keys are in the ignition. So you want you want to drive? Just walk into the car. Now the cars are not worth that much. So don't get your hopes up high. You know they they don't drive new cars. 
but I'm not going to start now locking the door and all that. I can't do that. Anyhow, I tell the guy, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, very apologetic. I didn't touch anything, take anything. I said, uh, you know, do you want some cold water? He's like, yeah, I ran to the torch and to get him some cold water. Wished him good luck. Told him to stay safe. And I uh, drove home in the car that I will say had a bit of a, a effluvious uh, aroma in it. Okay, uh, at least that uh, we made it out. But that was last week when I was really behind and I recorded it, you know, late Wednesday night. Now it's Wednesday afternoon. It's light outside. It's safe outside. Hopefully, the conclusion of this podcast will be a bit less less dramatic than last week. It's been a busy week. We love being busy. We're privileged to be busy, but now we have important business to take care of. The important business of the Parsha podcast. For Parsha's key, CISA, it's the eighth year of the Parsha podcast, and we are going to plunge into a very interesting subject. It's a subject that I don't think I've ever spoken about on any of the podcasts. Maybe I did, but if if so, very briefly. One that I've never really fleshed out. And it appears in a tangential way in our Parsha, but I think it's actually very pertinent to us today. And it's a it's an interesting a call to action. So I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I, I made a, a bit of a decision about this as well uh, to try to not just preach, but actually to, you know, to do what I'm going to talk about to try to implement it. Uh, so, so let's begin. Of course, Parsha's Tisisa, it's an amazing Parsha. And the bulk of the Parsha is the event, the most egregious event in our nation's history, the golden calf and the events that surrounded it and the fallout from it and the consequences that happened as a result. But beforehand, we have a quick succession of items. We have the wrapping up of some of the things that need to be done for the tabernacle. It begins with the half shekel for the census. This appears in a few places in the Torah. You want to count the nation. You don't just count them per capita. You don't count per head. We don't we never count Jews. It's it's very dangerous. It could lead to a plague. We don't want to do that. Instead, everyone gives a half shekel, and you count the coins, and you have a proxy for the number of people. That's how the Parsha begins. And then we read about the kior, the laver made out of copper where the Kohanim would wash their hands and feet before they entered the tabernacle. And then we have the anointing oil, the special anointing oil that Moshe concocted. And it's miraculous. It still exists today, we're told. But it never got depleted. And this was used to anoint kings and, and priests, the initial batch of priests, and then the high priests. And then the tabernacle and all, all of its all of its vessels. And actually the Midrash tells us that somewhere this vial, this jar, this flask, this container of oil is still present, it's still preserved. Temple is rebuilt. Please God, speedily in our days, we will have to find it. And it's going to be together with the ark. And inside the ark will be the tablets, which are mentioned in this week's Parsha, of course. And... We're also going to have uh, perhaps the Torah scroll that, Rosh, that Moshe wrote and the vial of manna that was preserved and the staff of Aaron that sprouted almonds, lots of cool things, including, uh, the Midrash tells us, the the afer para, the the ashes of the, of the paradigma of the red heifer. And along with that is the anointing oil, which Moshe concocted and still is extant. 
That's what we read next in the parasha. Then there's the ktores, the incense, the, the various ingredients. This is lit twice a day in the temple on the small inner golden altar. The one that's featured at the end of last week's parasha, not the, not the major altar upon which the sacrifices are processed. This is not for sacrifices with the exception of Yom Kippur. Once a year, there is a sacrifice that's processed on the golden altar. The rest of the time, it is exclusively for the incense for the ktores. And then chapter 31, we read about the final components or the final uh, instructions of the tabernacle. We read about the appointment of Bitzalel. He's going to be the foreman overseeing the construction of the tabernacle and its vessels. And finally, that chapter will end, or that chapter ends with the instruction to observe the Shabbos. Of course, to observe the Shabbos appears in many places in the Torah, but it's very often it is linked to the instruction to build the tabernacle. There is the restriction to not violate the Shabbos. And this is actually how we know all the laws of Shabbos. And what's included in the prohibition of doing work, you know, work can mean a lot of things. For young people, you know, it's like typing on a computer. For some people, work means, you know, going out and doing physical, manual labor. Everyone has a different definition of work. So what constitutes work to be prohibited, on pain of death, by the way, to do on Shabbos? Well, we know that there are 39 categories of work. And where did that number come from? It comes from our parsha. Why? Because there are 39 different categories of activities that are needed to construct and maintain the tabernacle. And because the Torah says, create the tabernacle, build it, construct it under the leadership and watchful eye and skill of B'Tzalel, but don't do it on Shabbos. That reveals to us that whatever we do need to do for the tabernacle, we may not do on Shabbos. And there are 39 different categories that uh, would qualify of what we need to do for the tabernacle and we may not do on Shabbos. And then we have uh, the beginning of the narrative of the golden calf. Moshe, he spent 40 days and 40, 40 nights in heaven. God gives him the tablets, the first set of tablets. And at that moment, the people make a terrible, egregious ignominious, unforgivable maybe, sin. And they do the golden calf and everything that ensues and the aftermath of that is the rest of the parsha. Moshe has initial prayer, comes down, meets Joshua, goes to the camp, shatters the tablets, and does a series of interventions to try to stave off the terrible decree that would have otherwise condemned the entire nation to be destroyed. Today, we're going to focus on, again, it's a side tangential point of the Parsha, but I think it's a very powerful idea. It's, I think, a fun idea. It's a challenging idea, but it's not so hard. And it's an idea that's relatively unknown, but one that has a lot of literature about it and all sorts of amazing and deep and profound insights and some incredible benefits. And we love benefits here. We love benefits. We love rewards. We love blessings in the Torch Center in Houston, Texas. And I will tell you, it's also uh, surprisingly topical for the events that are unfolding today to our brethren across the world and primarily, of course, in Israel. And that's why I think it's an appropriate thing to mention and to to really study in a fundamental way. And the subject is, drumroll please, augmenting Shabbos, making Shabbos larger. 
Let's start with the concept, and then we'll, we'll get into how it fits in the parsha, and then we'll speak about this subject at length. We have days. There's seven days in a week. There are 365 days in a solar year, 29 and a half days in a lunar month, and there's Sunday and there's Monday. Well, when does Sunday end and Monday begin? So, of course, we know that for Jews, at least, from the Torah's perspective, the day starts with the previous night. So, Sunday night is already halakhically Monday. You know, my son, my youngest son, David, he was born on Sunday night. So, if you look at his birth certificate, it says he was born, well, actually, I have to say this. They got it wrong on the birth certificate because he was born on 10.07 p.m., but somehow it says 10.07 a.m. And I'm not going to go there and try to hassle with him and negotiate with him in Harris County and the vital statistics. I'm not going to do that. But it happened to have been he was born at night. For whatever reason, they wrote it to 10.07 a.m. But he, in actuality, I was there, trust me. He was born at night, 10.07. But it was born on Sunday regardless, January 7th. Halachically, he's born on Monday. Why? Because once it's after a Sunday night, that is the beginning of Monday. So when does Shabbos start? Saturday, Shabbos is day seven. So you may think it starts maybe from daybreak on Saturday, but no, it starts from the night before. Friday night is already Shabbos. So if you look at a calendar, let's say the torch calendar, for example, it will have the beginning times of Shabbos every Friday. And then Saturday night, it's still Saturday, but it's already the end of Shabbos because that's already Sunday. Now, the more comprehensive calendars will give you some more details. There's different time periods. There's Shkia, which, mean, which means uh, sunset. And then there's Tzetzel Kachavim, which means the, when the, the time that the stars are visible, that's like nightfall. But what exactly is the point that one day ends and the next day begins? What exactly does Friday lead into Shabbos? Does Tuesday lead into Wednesday? And so on. This is a complicated question because we don't really know. And therefore, there's a period called Bain Hashmashos, which, which literally means between the luminaries, like between the, the sun and the moon, between day and night. And sometime between these two points, between sunset, when the sun goes away, and nightfall, once it's already night, it's dark, you see the the stars. At some at some point between those two markers of a daily cycle, that's when nightfall is. But we don't know for sure. So that, that period is about 72 minutes, let's say, called 72 minutes, a little bit more than an hour. At some point between this, the end of the previous day, and the beginning of the next day, at some point there is this instant where there's a cutoff, where, where one second it's, it's the previous day and the next second it is the ensuing day. But because we don't know exactly when it is, anything that happens between these two points and th- those 72 minutes we'll call them, we have to assume the stringencies of both the previous day and the ensuing day. Does this make sense? Am I being clear? I'll give you a practical example of this. Suppose someone is born Bain Hashmashos between the luminaries, between sunset, when the sun drops beneath the horizon, and nightfall, about an hour later. When is the bris? When is the circumcision? Someone's born Sunday night. 
Is it Sunday? And thus, a week later, eight days later, is Sunday morning bris? The circumcision will be on Sunday. Or is it Monday? How do you know? We don't know. It's it's in that point, that gray zone, that opaque time where we don't know if it's Sunday or Monday. And therefore, we have to always assume whatever stringencies we must assume because we don't want to make a mistake. And therefore, the circumcision will be on Monday because you cannot do a circumcision on day seven. You can't do that. And therefore, if the baby was born on Monday, if it was actually after the cutoff point between Sunday and Monday, then if you were to circumcise them on Sunday, it would be on day seven. And you cannot do a circumcision on day seven. You could do day eight, you could do day nine, but you cannot do day seven. And therefore, you must circumcise on day eight or maybe day nine, and that would be on Monday. Now, a practical application of this would be, what if someone's born on Friday, Friday night? Sometime between the luminaries, between Friday and Shabbos. So you can't circumcise them on, on on Friday because that may be day seven. So you may think, well, you'll circumcise them on on Shabbos because you, after all, are allowed to violate the Shabbos to do a circumcision. However, you cannot do that either. Why? Because maybe they're born on Friday and thus Shabbos would be day nine and only a circumcision of day eight overrides the Shabbos. And it's possible the child's born on Friday and therefore the following Shabbos would be well, that would be day nine. And day nine does not, circumcisions on day nine do not override the Shabbos. And therefore, in such a situation when the child is born, between the luminaries of Friday going into Shabbos, the child will be circumcised on Sunday, which is definitely not day eight, but that's the only option. So this is a concept. And I know this is a little technical and I always have to apologize when we get a bit technical here because this is like, you don't have diagrams. There's no visuals. You know, and words are helpful, but they're not always great. And it'll be helpful to see like a graph and some pictures. And we just don't do that here. Or we can't, or maybe we could, but we don't. At least not yet. But this is a concept. The day starts at night, but when exactly, we're not sure. And let's take this idea and and port it over to Shabbos. We don't want to violate Hashem's Shabbos. We don't want to do it. Sorry, we're not doing it. It's part of the Ten Commandments. It's a very serious mitzvah, as we know. We don't want to do any forbidden work when it is Shabbos. And therefore, from sunset on Friday until nightfall on Saturday, that is that's Shabbos. We, we don't want to violate the Shabbos. And therefore, we're not going to do work already starting from sunset which is, you know, Friday afternoon, but the earliest time that Shabbos could potentially be, all the way to after nightfall, which is the latest time that Shabbos could still be, and therefore we'll cover our bases on both ends. That is all an introduction to our subject. When we talk about augmenting Shabbos, this is not what we're talking about. This just means not violating the Shabbos, and we don't know when Shabbos begins and when it ends, and therefore we just take the stringencies on both ends. Augmenting Shabbos is a concept of adding to the Shabbos, of enlarging the Shabbos, of taking time that is definitely not Shabbos. It's definitely a weekday, either on the front end on Friday or on the back end on on Saturday. Taking time that would otherwise be mundane, it's definitely not Shabbos, and taking it and making it Shabbos, elevating it until it too is holy like Shabbos. And this is a mitzvah to do on both ends, 
on both ends of the Shabbos, to begin Shabbos a bit earlier before sunset on Friday, and to end it a bit later after nightfall on Saturday. And this is this idea of augmenting Shabbos. So Shabbos is for sure longer than 24 hours, right? Even outside of this concept. Because you're going to always going to start it at a minimum sunset on Friday to nightfall on Saturday, which is going to be in 24 hours, but it's not sunset to sunset or nightfall to nightfall, it's sunset to nightfall. So it's going to be at least 25 hours, but then you have to add a little bit more on either end. Little bookends of Friday, which you transform into Shabbos by augmenting Shabbos, making Shabbos larger, and that's on the front end. And then on the back end, you take a little bit of Saturday, Saturday night really, of Sunday, and you appendage that to Shabbos and you add to Shabbos on the back end. And this is a requirement, an obligation, we're told, to add to the Shabbos on both ends before sunset on Friday and after nightfall on Saturday. And this is featured in the Talmud in the book of Yoma on page 81b. And it talks about Yom Kippur and then festivals and then Shabbos. And it instructs us that we must add mechol al hakodesh. We must add from the mundane on top of the holy. We take something which is not holy, which is mundane, and we add mundane on top of the holy. We augment the holy to include also a bit of the mundane. So perhaps you've heard this idea that candle lighting on Friday. When do you light candles before Shabbos? You always do it 18 minutes before sunset. Now, in Israel, they do it actually 40 minutes before sunset. Those 18 minutes, it's Friday. It's even before sunset. So there's no way that this is already Shabbos, halachically Shabbos. But nevertheless, we fulfill this mitzvah to augment the Shabbos, to enlarge the Shabbos. And thus, we begin 18 minutes before sunset. Now, if it's already sunset... It's too late to light candles because that that might actually be Shabbos and we cannot light candles on Shabbos. The concept of augmenting, of increasing, of enlarging the Shabbos is before sunset, 18 minutes before sunset. Okay, if someone does two minutes before sunset, it's also good. But the more, the better. Anytime after Plag HaMencha, which is a halachic time, it's already okay to begin and accept Shabbos. And then when you add it to Shabbos, at the end, you can add as long as you want. You can do it all the way to Sunday. You can keep it really to Sunday. The more, the merrier. That's the concept. And here is how it fits into our Parsha. Chapter 31, verse 16. It's talking about the Shabbos. You have to make the Mishkan, make the tabernacle, but still observe the Shabbos. And the verse says, V'shamru b'nei Yisrael, as a Shabbos. Let the Israelites, the children of Israel, that let they observe the Shabbos. La'asos es ha-Shabbos, to make the Shabbos. Lidorosam, for their generations, bris olam, an eternal covenant. What does it mean, la'asos es ha-Shabbos, to make the Shabbos? It, it could simply say, v'shamru b'nei Yisrael, es ha-Shabbos, let the Israelites observe the Shabbos. Lidorosam, for the generations, forever, bris olam, an eternal covenant. That that verse would make sense. Don't you think? <laughs> There's some extra words. 
If the verse simply said, If it just says, and the Israelites will observe the Shabbos, for their generations, bris olam, an eternal covenant, that verse would make perfect sense. Why does it add these three words, la'asos es ha-shabbos, to make the Shabbos? That is the question of one of the great commentators on the Torah, the Or HaChayim. And he gives a variety of very interesting answers. And then he says, our answer. What does it mean, La'asos es ha-shabbos, to make the Shabbos? That the children of Israel should make the What does it mean to make the Shabbos? He cites the Talmud. The Talmud tells us that you must add from the mundane on top of the holy to not do work, to ready live to accept Shabbos early when it's really Friday and to relinquish Shabbos after it's already Sunday. And by doing that, you're fulfilling this verse. La'asos es ha-Shabbos. The Israelites should make Shabbos. Who, who makes Shabbos? God, we would think, makes Shabbos. He's the one who says, this is Friday, this is Shabbos, this is Sunday. The verse is telling us that actually, no, the Israelites should observe Shabbos and they should make Shabbos. They should take a Friday. It's Friday. And they should make a Shabbos. By augmenting Shabbos, beginning before sunset when it's definitely Friday, augment Shabbos and make Shabbos. Take something which is Friday and make a Shabbos. On the back end, it's Saturday night. It's already after sunset. It's after nightfall. It's Sunday. And you can still make a Shabbos. You can still cling to Shabbos and transform a bit of Sunday into Shabbos. And the Archim continues, when you take the mundane, you take Friday, you take Sunday, and you make a Shabbos, this verse is telling us that God is saying, you have now made Shabbos. God is agreeing to your to your breakdown. You're changing the calendar. You're taking Friday and saying, no, 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 this is not Friday. This is not mundane. This is not regular time. This is Shabbos. And God says, the children of Israel can make Shabbos. I give you the right, I hereby ordain you with the right to make a bit of Friday into Shabbos and a bit of Sunday into Shabbos as well. And that's what the verse is telling us. What a beautiful idea. What a deep reading of this verse. The children of Israel could make Shabbos and could literally change something which is Friday. In the eyes of God, it's Friday. In the eyes of God, it's Sunday. And now you say you want it to be Shabbos? You want to augment the Shabbos? You want to have Shabbos start a bit earlier, an hour before sunset? You want it to end an hour after nightfall on Saturday night? God says, you know what? I accept. I will agree. I will adhere, so to speak, to your calendar. You want to make Shabbos? I agree. La Asos es Shabbos. What a beautiful idea. What a fascinating idea. We can make Shabbos. We can take Friday, mundane. We can take Sunday. It's mundane. They're ordinary days. And we could convert them. We could transform them. We could alter them and make them now into Shabbos. Now, I said a few times already that this is an idea that's topical for us today. And I want you to know what I mean by that. There are other religions in the world. There are other monotheistic religions in the world, or sort of, <laughs> close enough. We have Christianity, and that comes from Esav. 
Esau, the grandson of Abraham. And we have Islam, and that comes from Ishmael, the son of Abraham. These are our cousins. And they have uh, almost a version of monotheism. They have a little bit of the influence of Abraham. And they have their holy days. And of course, Islam, their holy day is Friday. And the Christians, their holy day is Sunday. No one has our holy day. No one has the real one. They're both a little bit off. They're a little bit off. Either Friday or Sunday. The commentaries tell us, the Kabbalists tell us, that if someone or if a community, if they preempt Shabbos, they take a bit of Friday, and they say, no, 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 we're changing this. We're making this to the Shabbos. And that cuts into the spiritual power of Ishmael. Ishmael, they they have they have power. Listen, they, they come from Abraham. They have qualities. There is a degree of self-sacrifice that, that Hagar had, that Ishmael had. They have something. They have a little bit of the influence of Abraham. If we want to undercut that, if we want to curb that, if we want to weaken that, you start Shabbos on Friday. You take a little bit of Friday and you make it yours. You appropriate it. We take the land and we take the holy day. And by doing that, you, you're limiting, you're curbing, you're attenuating, you're mitigating. You're lopping off a little bit of the spiritual power of Ishmael and the capacity of Ishmael to lord over us. Similarly, when we extend Shabbos, it cuts into Sunday. And again, Esav, Esav has qualities. Esav has attributes. Esav had merits. He honored his father in a way that even Jacob could not match. And yes, they have some association with monotheism, but they're a bit off. They have Sunday. When we extend Shabbos into Sunday, we're taking a little bit of the power of Sunday, a little bit of the power of the Christians, whatever spiritual power they have, and we're taking it for ourselves. We're limiting what they're doing. And it's been pointed out, just historically, even though we have a requirement to add to Shabbos on both ends, on Friday and on Sunday, historically in the Muslim world, in when Jews lived under the Muslims, they always emphasized beginning Shabbos early on Friday. Because they were wrestling so, so to speak, they were under the thumb, under the dominion of the Muslims. They always tried to kind of counter that with this tremendous power of augmenting Shabbos, of taking our power and taking a little slice of theirs as well. They always did on the front end. And they began Shabbos earlier on Friday. And in the Christian lands in Europe, when the Jewish people suffered tremendously under the thumb of the Christians... There was always an extra emphasis to extend Shabbos beyond Saturday into Sunday and thereby fight and wrestle, so to speak, with the spiritual power of the Christians. So I think, as you know, right now we're Jewish people. We're in the middle of the war in Gaza. And we don't know where it's going. And this is not just a war in Gaza. This has mushroomed into all the Arab and Muslim lands. And we don't know how things are going to end up. I thought it's a very appropriate thing to speak about this concept. Of course, 
above all, we got to keep the Shabbos in the, in the proper time. And what does the proper time mean? It means at a minimum from sunset on Friday, and one minute or two minutes before sunset, to nightfall on Saturday and a few minutes after that. But we could add more. And when you do that, you're increasing the power of the Jewish people against the Muslims and against the Christians. And therefore, I think it's a nice thing to mention, maybe a bit of a call to action to, to try to you know start Shabbos a bit early. But I want to talk about this idea a bit further. Because once I'm done here, you'll be so thoroughly convinced. And you'll tell your significant other and your kids, Oh, Rabbi Wolby persuaded me on the Parsha podcast of year eight of the Parsha podcast. Parsha's TC stuff, five, seven, eight, four. He persuaded me. I'm sorry. We got to stop. We got to start Shabbos early and we got to end a little bit late. Because in addition to just this powerful idea that we can make Shabbos, we can make Shabbos and God will agree. When I talk about what the sources say about this, the tremendous power of this quality of this practice, you will be convinced. So let's start. First idea. Adam was cursed. There was sin, and there was punishment, and there was retribution, and there was banishment from the garden. But there was a time of respite. There was a time of bliss, a time of serenity, tranquility, a time of elevation, a time where everything was staved off. All the punishments were staved off. A time of spiritual enlightenment, a time of blessing. Shabbos is the Makar HaBracha, the source of blessing. When someone wants to start Shabbos as late as possible and end it as early as possible, in effect, they're saying, I want a time of curse over a time of blessing. Now, I will, I will temper my words a little bit here. The Yitzhara knows what we're saying here. He knows it very well. And therefore, there's a tremendous urge to not go through with this, to not extend Shabbos. He knows how powerful this is. And therefore, you start getting antsy. Shabbos afternoon, you're antsy. You want to check the news. You want to check the sports. You want to, you want to, you want to just get out. You want to smoke your cigarette, the first cigarette after Shabbos. You're, you're starting to get fidgety. And it's a very difficult time. It's a very difficult thing to do to extend Shabbos on both ends. Why is it so hard? It's so hard because it's so powerful. But if you think about it, the week, that's when we were cursed. And Shabbos, that's a time of, of blessing, a time of spiritual enlightenment. It made sense to try to expand and augment the time of blessing and limit the time of curse. That's as a general introduction. We know I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. You'll forgive me. Forgive me for disrupting and shattering your rosy fantasies. Here's the bad news. You and everyone that you know will eventually die. That is the curse of Adam. Forgive me. Don't shoot the messenger. Bad news. I know you will die. And if you are lucky and fortunate and righteous, you will merit 
the cleansing powers of purgatory, of Gehenna. Even though it's a good place to go because it cleanses you of the spiritual blemishes that war on your soul, it's not a pleasant place to be from everything that we know about it. There was a time during the week that all the souls that are having their purgatory, their cleansing in Gehenna, they get a rest, they get a respite, they get a reprieve. And when is that? That's on Shabbos. And the more someone expands Shabbos, the longer their reprieve will be. Moreover, the commentaries tell us, it's not just the time that someone observes Shabbos, but the time that someone begins to prepare for Shabbos. That's already when they get their reprieve. So if someone starts on Thursday night, set the table nicely, bedeck it with a beautiful white tablecloth, set the table, prepare the candles, start preparing the food, they start getting into the Shabbos mode. And they put on the nice Shabbos music, and they start making the delectable Shabbos food. They already are, in, in a small way, they're accepting Shabbos, they're starting Shabbos. And the commentaries tell us, that when someone begins that, that's that's really the time when Shabbos kit starts and their soul will thank them for, for that after it's passing. But there's more. You are familiar, I am sure, with the Talmud. I mentioned it, I think, a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was on the Parsha podcast. It might have been one of the other podcasts, so forgive me. The Talmud tells us that if the Jewish people just kept two Shabboses, they would right away be redeemed if all we did was keep two Shabboses. The Talmud tells us in the book of Shabbos, page 118b, redemption will happen. And the Kabbalists tell us, why two? Why not one? Why isn't one, one Shabbos enough? If the whole Jewish people keep one Shabbos, shouldn't that be sufficient? The Kabbalists revealed to us that the two Shabbos in question are God's Shabbos, sunset to nightfall, sunset on Friday to nightfall on Shabbos, and uh, on Saturday night, and our Shabbos, when we add, we increase, we augment it. La Asos Shabbos, we can make the Shabbos. We have the power to take Friday and turn to Shabbos, take Sunday and turn to Shabbos. If we keep both of them, God's Shabbos and our Shabbos, if we are going to take Hashem's time, the time of blessing, and and begin it early, Hashem says, okay, I will do the thing for you. I will make your redemption early. I will hasten the redemption. The commentaries tell us further. If someone adds to Shabbos, that special spiritual power that they are endowed with on Shabbos, the special extra soul that the Talmud talks about, that will be also augmented for them. Similarly, and again, there's a lot of sources on this, and I could go through every one of them very carefully, but I want you to get the gist of what we're saying here. The Talmud tells us if someone delights over Shabbos, they receive limitless, limitless blessing. They get an inheritance without limits. That 
the Kabbalists tell us, if you want a limitless reward, then you don't confine Shabbos to its limits. You don't say sunset on Friday, to nightfall on Saturday, and I'm done. I'm done. Call it a day. Let me turn my phone back on. Let me go smoke my cigarette. Let me go turn on the TV so I can watch all the incredible things that happen and nothing happens exciting on Shabbos. You always, you always run to check your phone. What's the news? More of the same. More of the same. You missed nothing. If you want to take Shabbos and put it in its confined limits, God says, okay, I'll give you confined limits as well. You make it unlimited, you add upon the strict limits of sunset to nightfall, God says, I will do the same. Tit for tat. I will give you limitless reward as well. The sources talk about from the Arizal, the Kabbalists. If someone properly observes this augmenting of Shabbos, they will merit good children. Who doesn't want that? They'll have a long life. You add to God's Shabbos, God will add to your life. Moreover, and this dovetails with what we said earlier, Adam did a sin, a terrible sin, a sin that we're still dealing with the consequences of, a sin that condemned humanity to die. So when someone dies, why are they dying? They're dying in part thanks to Adam's sin. Well, what if someone says, I'm going to reject Adam's sin? I'm going to embrace everything that's the opposite of Adam's sin. That is a way to weaken the effects of Adam's sin upon them and thus to lengthen their lives. Adam's sin, it was, it was a result of Friday. And this is something we spoke about in the past. It's a little bit of a complicated idea. Had Adam waited, had he allowed time to elapse, and had he made it to Shabbos without sinning, he could have eaten from that fruit and he would not have suffered the ill effects of the consumption of the forbidden fruit. That's an idea that's found in Orachim. It's found in the Ramchal. Adam's sin was only a Friday sin. The sin would have no power over him had he allowed it to arrive to Shabbos. In fact, he could have eaten from the tree of knowledge and it would have harmed him not the slightest bit. Thus, Friday, the mundane, it's not just a time of mundane, time of curse, it's a time of Adam's sin and its effects. And if someone says, I'm not interested in Friday, I want Shabbos, give me some Shabbos, I'll start a little bit early. Someone does that. They are counteracting the power of Adam's sin upon them and thus they will be meritorious to a longer life, the sages tell us. And there are many more sources that talk about how you'll be spared from the Chibut kever, which is a very, very unpleasant thing that happens to sinners after they die. I don't want to talk about it. And there are a lot of stories about this. But it's a very powerful insight. A verse in our parasha tells us, La'asos es ha-Shabbos. The Jewish people could make Shabbos. We take Friday and we make it something else. We make it Shabbos. We take Sunday and we make it something else. We make it, we make it Shabbos. And as we mentioned, this is also a way to help bolster and buttress and strengthen and empower our people and the, the spiritual forces that we have over those forces that may seek 
to destroy us. And certainly today, there's a, there's a global struggle and there are brothers and sisters on the front lines and brothers and sisters that are hostages and the whole world is coming up against us and we don't know how it's going to end up and we hope that things will end up in the best possible way. We could do something to help contribute towards this effort, to help contribute towards the empowering of our people and the weakening of our enemies. And if this means that you accept Shabbos two minutes early, five minutes early, an hour early, some people do 31 hours. This is, I read, I read this. I'm not even going to speak about this. I'm not suggesting this, but I did read this that some people, they, they try to have 30, a 31 day shop, a 31 hour Shabbos. So they start like four hours early and four hours afterwards. I'm not suggesting that. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour. It's not unreasonable. And it's hard. I know it's hard. As someone who's had the great privilege of keeping Shabbos my whole life, I know how hard it is. It's so, so hard. And somehow it always goes down to the wire. But we now know why it's so hard. Why does the Itzahara, why does he make it so hard for us to do this? Because it's so powerful in so many different ways. And I think it's a, it's a good time to, to learn about this. And given that we understand that this is going to help us in the spiritual battle, which is a big part of this war that's been ongoing now for a few months, even if it's a little bit, there's no sort of thing as anything that's negligible in the spiritual realm. Nothing's negligible in the spiritual realm. Do something. The commentaries talk about how when you start the evening prayer on Saturday night, instead of saying v'hu rachum, say v'hu rachum, just to add a little bit to extend Shabbos by, by a millisecond. Whatever we do, as small and seemingly negligible as it may seem, it's all powerful. Let us empower our people. Expand Shabbos. We have power. We can make Shabbos. Not just God. There's two Shabbos. There's his Shabbos and there's ours. We can increase it. Let us do that. And I'm bleeding out without promising. I'm going to make a major effort to try to do this in our family. And it's hard to wrangle all these kids and get them all into the bath. Well, not, not complaining. Thank you, Hashem, for all that you give to us. Make sure everyone's got a bath and the food's all ready. It's, it's hard. But I think it's so important. And I'm going to make an effort in this. No promises. No pledges. No promises. But I'm going to make an effort, and I hereby encourage you to do the same, not just Shabbos, to expand it, to augment it, to increase it, to take Friday and turn it into something else, turn it into Shabbos, to take curse and turn it into blessing, to take the power of Ishmael and turn it into our power, and to weaken it, and to limit and mitigate it. May we hear only good news from our brethren in the Holy Land. May we hear good news from each other. My email address is rabbiwolbeatgmail.com. I thank you for listening. You have a wonderful rest of your day. A splendid, sensational, invigorating Shabbos upcoming. And please, God, with the help of the Almighty, we will gather together again next week for another Parsha podcast for year eight of the Parsha podcast from the Torch Center in Texas. The email address is rabbiwolbeatgmail.com.